welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hello? Oh, hi. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hi there. Oh, hey. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thanks. Good. How are you? So good. God. It was like such a good day. I've had a long day and I need a moment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Color Me Dead podcast. 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 With Angel and Nikki. Yeesh. 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 Can I tell you how upset I was when I realized that Michael Scott has been saying that for way longer than I have? Well... Yeesh. Yeesh. I can't not I can't not do it normal now. So we are on episode ninety this week. Episode ninety. Ninety. Ten more. We need to find okay. <clears throat> we gotta figure out something good for Hunt It. Hunt it? Uh, hunt it. We'll think about it. You always come up with the good ideas, so it's you. It's let, on you. Let me shink about it. I have no ideas. Mary. This is a follow-up to the episode we dropped last week um, regarding the Nightmare Next Door, Roger Strunk. And this week, we are doing Code, Code Veronica, Let Us Not Forget. Now, I had not intended to do a follow-up this quickly. However, there were some things that surfaced that made it kind of, it was pertinent. Yeah, <laughs> it was hard not to because we have a, a multiple part coming up and we didn't want to wait. Yeah. Until after that. Mm-hmm. But before we dig into this heap of story, if you'd like to check us out, all of our episodes, our sponsors, as well as other content, check us out at Age of Radio. Ageofradio.org slash color me dead slash. You can also find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at color me dead pod. You can find us on Facebook at Color Me Dead Podcast. And don't forget to find us on the Color Me Dead Podcast group. You can find us on Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast. And if you want to follow the hosts, you can find me at Gory underscore Nikki. And I'm Color Me Dead Angel. I'm boring. You're not. I always forget to post on it. I'll be like, I'm going <coughs> to post. I'm going to be good. And then I'm like, I didn't. I didn't do it. <laughs> I did nothing. If you guys want to send anything in the form of an email. Do so at colormedeadpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have anything that you would like to send less, you know, don't send us like anthrax or bombs, but you can send it to colormedeadpodcast, P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. We, we, we frown upon severed heads. Oh, Lord. Severed <laughs> heads, severed fingers. We don't want your fingernails or toenails. I don't or want eyelashes. nipple belts, boxes of vulvas. No, we just like regular <clears throat> things that regular people have. If you have a if you have a question on what regular people like, don't send us anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be touching base and following up with the piece that we referred to, episode eighty nine, that we did on Roger Strunk. Now, we had asked for anyone who wanted to further discuss this episode to reach out on on social media, and we would do that follow-up. Well, the most unlikely person happened to reach out to us, and it was Miss Jeanette Fitzen Joseph. She is the mother of sweet little Veronica Fitzen, Roger's victim. Now, I'm going to admit that I was a little bit hesitant to talk to her because I was afraid that I'd upset her. And in the podcasting world of true crime, this happens more than you guys think. And honestly, I had heard nothing but the sweetest things about this woman, so I felt extra uneasy because I it would be like disappointing your sweet grandma or your mom, yes. <laughs> you know? Um, I spoke with Jeanette for the better part of an hour and decided to do the follow-up piece immediately. No time to waste on this one. Um, I jotted down notes as I listened, but I focused more on listening than I did on my notes in a few parts, so I didn't get exact dates on a few of these items. Now... Miss Jeanette is from Costa Rica, and she still has um, a very thick accent. And so sometimes I had to ask her to repeat things. And, um, you know, in the in the process of asking her to repeat herself and clarify for me, I didn't write things down. First of all, what I do want to say is Miss Jeanette is a lady that I hope to be like one day. This woman is kind, gentle, and one of the most heartfelt people I've ever spoken with. And Quite frankly, it was a pleasure to speak with her. Her phone call really opened my eyes to what I would consider to be love because this woman is pure love. She is the sweetest, most pure person I've ever spoken with as a stranger. 
Secondly, one of the reasons that Miss Jeanette reached out to us was in regards to some of the information in the original episode, and she wanted to clear up some of that misinformation. We had reported that a few of the locals had mentioned um, in their dealings with Roger that he was slow or perhaps had some type of learning disability, and this happened to be false. In fact, we were advised that Roger was not only on the wrestling team as a teenager, but he was also an algebra tutor to his peers. Which is very opposite of slow. Uh, If he's tutoring his peers in algebra, he's quite clever. Yes, speaking as someone who could not grasp algebra <laughs> I hated that class. I took it more than once. I did not do good there. I didn't so either. So if you're tutoring people in algebra, you're not slow. No. And I'm not slow. I just couldn't. I don't math. Math. You know what? I can do English. I can do right. history. I can do science. If you want to wax intellectual about what a dangling participle is, great. Perfect. I got your back. You want to put letters in with numbers and have it make sense to me, I'm not your person. No, ma'am. No. I'm going to pass. try to spell things with the numbers and the letters and I'm going to do all the things you're not supposed to do. Not like that, you heathen. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't do algebra. So in regards to his state of being, as far as his intellectual level, he was pretty smart. He knew exactly what he was doing. Now, in regards to Roger's family, it was cleared up that it was just him and his mother that lived uh, close by Jeanette and her family. There wasn't a father or other men in her uh, in her life or Roger's life, her being his mom. It was just him and the mother. Um, and Jeanette said that she, the mom was a really nice lady, but that she was very quiet. She said that whenever the mother would walk past the house, if Veronica was in the yard, she'd smile and wave to her. Oh, my God. <clears throat> that makes me sick for all parties involved. Like, right. just, it's I know that's sad. just a small wave, but God. In the beginning of Roger coming near the Fitzen family, Jeanette wondered why Strunk would want to be friends with her son Pablo because there was such an age difference between them that she thought it odd as they wouldn't have anything in common. But Miss Jeanette said that she never suspected Roger as being a predator. He was nice and polite and quiet. However, she did feel like the friendship was a touch off because of that age difference. And I mean, with boys being... What was their age difference? Like 10 or six years? Something like that. Yeah. And it was, it was close to that because, excuse me, Pablo's a handful of years older than um, Veronica. I want to say he was 11. Oh, okay. 11 ish. um, And she was six. So it would have been like me and David. Yeah. Age difference. Yeah. And Roger was 16. Yeah. So when he first started coming around, he was still an older teenage boy. So when you've got a youngster that is, you know, 9, 10, 11, or right, you know, right there where they're still playing with trains and cars and things yeah. of that nature, and then you've got a boy, a boy that's 14, 15, 16, and they're getting their driver's license and getting interested in girls and things like that, the, that age difference starts to mark um, a time when those older boys no longer, I mean, it's, it's all fine and dandy for like cousins and things like that to get outside and play kick the can or like neighborhood right. kids to play night games. But as far as like your best friend or that one person that you spend a lot of time with, it's actually odd for even young ladies of 14, 15, 16 to want to hang out with girls that are 9, 10, 11. That's this when you're coming into maturity. This is basically like our sons hanging out because it's the exact same age difference. Right. So they can sit and play video games while we're or whatever, there hanging or, out as like family time. <clears throat> right. But but would Logan think to go like, hey, Calvin, do you want to come over and spend the night or do you want to go play or no, that's not that's not something that you would normally see two people that aren't family go and do. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Miss Jeanette often saw Roger walking around the neighborhood. There was an area between homes, like an alley, where she saw him walk around and then started seeing him in a car, which was a little Dotson car. Miss Jeanette said that she was very happy for Roger and his mom, as she had also seen the mother walking to and from work in other places. She said that she was very excited for them to have transportation. See what I mean about that whole heart of gold? Yeah, she's excited that they don't have to walk anymore, Mm -hmm. like... And could, probably genuinely happy, like, oh, good, they you don't should have to walk because Utah is cold. Yeah, <laughs> you, well, you should, she was like, I was so happy. I saw Roger in this car, and, and good for him, and good for her. Like, even after all this time, she mm. still was very genuine about, like, oh, good for them. Mm. I know. Miss Jeanette said that Roger seemed to always be around, whether he was walking by or seemed to be outside in the yard slash sidewalk areas, or even 
um, on the stoop of the house. Mm-hmm. She said it was a, as if whenever they opened the door, there he was. She started to wonder if Roger was out doing something to Pablo or out to do something to Pablo, which I would too. Like he's hanging out with your boy. That's who I'm going to be worried about. Right. But they would later realize that he was always after little Veronica. Right. So as time went on, there were a few things that Miss Jeanette talked about that made her very uncomfortable. So she decided to put the kibosh on the friendship between Strunk and her son because she felt like the relationship was no longer healthy or safe. On one event, Pablo said that they had used a rifle like an airsoft or perhaps a BB rifle to go out and shoot birds together. Now, when he came home and told his mom about it, Miss Jeanette told Pablo that she didn't want him hanging out with Roger anymore and that she, you know, she wanted him to stay home and away from him, especially if they were out killing birds. And she said, you know, I'm not, I'm not okay with them doing that. Like, I don't like killing things. Yeah. Um, Roger, as you, if you don't remember, or you didn't listen to the previous episode, he was noted as hurting animals by other people. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's out shooting birds, which let's face facts, it's kind of a common thing. It for, really is. You know, slingshots, redneck. BB guns, things of that nature. It doesn't make it okay, but it was happening and Miss Jeanette was not okay with it. Another event that took place is Roger had taken young, young Pablo with him to go into a storage unit or like a storage um, structure that didn't belong to them. They had moved slats on the top of like a rickety roof and went inside. Now, Pablo, again, excited about the day's adventures, went home and he tells Miss Jeanette what they'd been up to while he was out playing. And just like any wide-eyed little kid that doesn't know any better, he's like, hey, you know what? We went in this building, and there were, like, boxes and movies, and there was lots of them, Mom. And Miss Jeanette has to be like, you know, hey, that that building doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to him or us. And if you go in there and somebody catches you, like, the police could come. You could get in trouble. Don't do that. Don't go in there. Yeah. Um, And it's... That's the thing is like little kids, they really don't know any better. They don't. They don't understand boundaries about property or going into garages or you know what I mean? They're yeah. little kids. So she's Yeah, if a if a kid that's older than you says it's okay, oh it's fine, I do this all the time, we right. do this all the time. Because I could see Calvin doing that if if somebody older than him <clears throat> was like, Hey, we we're gonna go do this, he could be like, Well, okay. I guess if you do it all the time, then it's okay. Well and it's you know, we had issues with little kids um, in in the neighborhood. Like, you know, if our garage was open, little kids would wander into our garage, and the neighbor kids, you know. And it's because they just didn't understand that, like, that's, you know, that, hey, that's private property. You don't really belong in there. There's nothing in there for you to play with, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it's just, you know, little kids don't know. They don't, they don't understand that. So, Miss Jeanette was wanting all of the socializing to come to an end. She explained to her young son that not only was it dangerous them dangerous for them to do that, but it was bad because it belonged to somebody else. And that's when she started explaining that, like, hey, you could get in a lot of trouble for that kind of stuff. Right. Miss Jeanette had become much more concerned about Pablo spending time with Strunk because she felt like Strunk was already exposing Pablo to unsafe things and activities. She was worried that Strunk might expose Pablo to things of mature nature, like adult photos, movies, etc., at this point, Miss Jeanette took it upon herself to speak to Roger as well, not just her children. She had advised her children to no longer play with Roger. He was too old for them um, to go play with. And she said that Roger needed to go and make friends his own age with similar interests, which I totally agree with. Both of her children agreed not to go and play with or near Roger. Miss Jeanette had also had her husband go talk to Roger and tell him that he was no longer invited to play with Pablo as well. Roger both times said, okay, and that should have been that. Yeah. So okay. not only not only did Miss Jeanette say, hey, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea you guys hang out and play anymore, but her husband at the time also did so. Yeah. And both times he was like, okay. All right. I get it. Okay. And, and that should have been Dunsey. But it wasn't. No, it was not. No. On the day that Veronica went missing, uh, the day of her murder, which was August 7th, 1988, she did not go willingly, as stated in the article. Right. And you can find that article that I used. It's law.justia.com slash cases slash Utah slash Supreme dash court slash 1993 slash 900579. And I can put the um, link to it in the show notes, so it'll make it easier for you to find. 
Yep. The Fitzen family had attended church in Roosevelt and following the services, returned home to Vernal. After settling into the house, Veronica changed from her church clothes to the romper that she was last seen in. Yeah. Her family had turned on the television and started watching a segment of a program, we all know, 60 Minutes. And there was a piece being done on Nicaragua, which borders their home of Costa Rica, and the family wanted to watch it. And so Veronica had asked to go outdoors in the fenced backyard to play. It was around 7 p.m. in the summer, and Miss Jeanette was happy to let her go outside and play. A lot of us are. Your kids want to go outside and play in the middle of August? Please, yes, go. Go Go outside. In the span of 8 to 10 minutes, this is when their life would change forever. After the segment concluded, Miss Jeanette sent Pablo to go check on his little sister. He returned back to her quickly and told his mother that she was not in the yard. They looked again, but no Veronica. They went to the neighbor's houses. They knocked. They went door to door. No Veronica. By this time, she had already been placed into the pillowcase we mentioned last episode. Veronica had been taken from her own fenced backyard in the daylight, and no one saw or any saw or heard anything. Now, how does this happen? As previously reported by us via the news articles and local media outlets, Veronica had been lured out of the yard with the promise of sweet treats and ice cream. Miss Jeanette corrected us on that one, and no, she was not lured from the yard. Come to find out, Roger had actually spent the last eight months stalking, watching, and planning this entire heist of Veronica, which would later be unearthed after his arrest. Roger had gotten onto a structure next to the fence, jumped over with a two-by-four in his hand, and he actually struck Veronica on his descent into their backyard, causing her to fall unconscious. So, he then took young Veronica. She never made a peep. She didn't have a chance to yell for help. Miss Jeanette said that her doors and windows were all open, well into that hot muggy august day and they never heard anything that makes me sick yeah so she but i do that with my kids and i leave the doors open thinking that i can hear them i'm never leaving their side again just so you know it's pretty horrifying yeah she you know because you're you're under the assumption that your child in a fenced backyard where you you know the doors are open you know the windows are open that should be enough. Yeah, that makes me seek. So the part that really hurt my heart when talking to Miss Jeanette is that in Veronica's short six years on this earth, this was the first time that she went outside to go play by herself. She was always with her brother Pablo. This was the first time in her own backyard she went outside to play, and this is what happened. That is awful. She should be <clears throat> able to go out in a fenced backyard and not worry about people coming you and should. that's you should you shouldn't have to worry about this at all really <laughs> but following the disappearance of veronica the police were notified and this is where code veronica is so important previously in the 80s it was a common practice um for 24 to 48 hours to be passed before a missing persons report could be made in order to start a search for the individual this is no longer the case for missing children in the city of vernal and surrounding areas it's now known as code veronica code veronica means that a child has gone missing this means all agencies from vernal naples highway patrol etc are to immediately respond to the area and search for the child basically it's a stop drop and roll for missing children no matter where you are and what you are doing, unless you are saving another life, Code Veronica takes priority. Uh, roads leading in and out of the town are to be closed and heavily monitored until the child is found. Right. And why is this so important? Because they usually die within the first 24, isn't mm-hmm. it? 24 to 48 hours. That's why this, this is so important because... In less than a few hours, little Veronica Fitzen had already lost her life. So when somebody puts out a code Veronica, I don't care if they find that kid sleeping under a couch or, you know, right. had, you know, got crawled up into a treehouse and decided to take a siesta. Like, no, you go and find that kid. And if it's nothing, great, then it's nothing. But if it's something, get on the ball. Right. And there, you, you don't get to choose whether it should be priority or should not be priority because it's a child involved. I don't give a crap where they are. Exactly. Now, when the local police had started their investigation and the search for little Veronica, they had asked the Fitzen family if there was anyone that they could think of that might take Veronica. And Miss Jeanette and her husband, who was actually um, her former husband, who was former law enforcement, both said, you know, maybe you should look into Roger. 
Each time that they did speak with Roger, the law, local law enforcement, it didn't turn anything up, no leads. And since the family um, originally hailed from Costa Rica, the police had to look into the possibility that perhaps somebody from out of the country had something to do with the abduction of Veronica. Again, nothing in the way of leads. Right before the police advised that they were going to end the search for Veronica, they asked the family again, do you have anything that you want to tell us? Do you have any idea who may have taken Veronica? Again, her parents, maybe you should look into the neighbor boy, Roger. Well, this time they did look into Roger at the request of her father, of Veronica's father, who was former law enforcement, and he had requested this many times with, you know, nothing coming out of it. Every single time. Well, this time they had taken him out of his house to question him, which they had not done before. So they took Roger to the police station, and this is where he would later confess to the murder of Veronica, and then subsequently take them to the location of where he left her body. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. I, yeah... Oh, my goodness. I was wondering how kind of that all went down. Was he just like, all right, you got me. Like, I think that in his own home with the um, with his mother present. Right. It may have been easier for him to be like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, especially where he had also participated in the search efforts. Right. And it's a little bit different when you have a parent present, mm-hmm. especially if that parent, which I do not know whether or not. His mother actually did a lot of speaking for him. Mm. Or if she was like an <clears throat> overbearing mom. I don't think but, she was a, an overbearing mom. But when you're in a situation where a police officer is questioning you, maybe a mom says, where were you? And the kid's like, I was home. And the mom's like, he wasn't over there. And they kind of leave it at that, you know? Yeah. Um, or if the mom was like, you know, he was home with me. And this is all speculation. This is all less just throwing right. ideas around. But if you take a kid, 16 years old and you remove him from in front of a parent do they get nervous do they get scared do they start feeling guilty do they what happens who knows yeah i wonder because then you take a kid from the comfort of their home and you put them in a scary office or what's inter- surrounded by cops i'm sure right in an interrogation room mm-hmm. and they're like all right listen And who knows what they may have said to him while questioning him. Maybe they said something that led him to believe he was caught already. Yeah. This wouldn't have been the first time that they questioned the kid. So maybe they came up with a little bit more. And had they already... No, they hadn't found her. Sorry. I Mm -hmm. had a different theory that then I I debunked it myself. Oh, good job. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Ta-da. But it's, it's a situation where the Fitzen family on more than once said you know, we really just have a hinky feeling about this boy. And it turned out to be correct. After Strunk was charged and convicted and sentencing imposed, a lawyer came to Strunk's defense saying that the consecutive life terms for his charges was too stringent for a 16-year-old. So the sentencing was reevaluated and Roger Strunk became eligible for parole. Right. We talked about the the resentencing. This is when Miss Jeanette took it upon herself to collect those signatures to present to the parole board to prevent Roger from being freed into the public because no, no, right. no, no. She did so in only days, over 10,000 people signing their name to prevent this type of tragedy from happening again. I can't imagine she had to do much work to get that signed. No way. After people locally knew what went like went on, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't imagine that it would have taken much other Mm -hmm. than the fact that you know here's this um you know here's a sweet lady who has recently lost one of her children which i equate to having your soul ripped out of your body yeah and she's faced with the very real possibility that the person responsible for it might be getting out of prison Uh uh-huh so in just a, a short matter of days all of these people are signing her petition to keep him there. And just for reference for people here, there aren't even that many people in this town, especially not in 1988. <clears throat> no, not then. Now, now sure. maybe, yeah, but not that. Not in 88. Not in 88. That was after a, an oil bust. Uh, an oil bust. The biggest Big, what, one. One of our biggest ones. Yeah, so there weren't that many people here. No. Like, that had to be surrounding areas. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Miss Jeanette spoke of the information that had been shared about Roger since his inc- incarceration. He had since completed his high school education and moved on to obtaining a college education. He regularly attends church services as well. And while Miss Jeanette acknowledges his strives to be better, she says there is one thing that she cannot let go of. He, he never, never said, I'm sorry. Yeah. To her. To anybody. To anybody. Uh, not not to Miss Jeanette's knowledge. And that's a big thing right there. Like, go to college, go to church, all you want if you're not sorry. Or you don't even attempt to try to make people believe that you're sorry. Miss Jeanette was present throughout the trial of Strunk and never... Uh, never once did he say he was sorry. He never did say why or that he was crazy or anything. Like, he didn't, there was nothing. <coughs> Excuse me. That was the one thing while I was speaking with Miss Jeanette. She said, you know, he never said I'm sorry. He didn't say I was crazy. I was out of my mind. I don't know what I was thinking. Nothing. nothing. There was nothing said. Miss Jeanette intends to do whatever she can to keep Roger from re-entering the public because she's afraid that he's capable of hurting someone else. I asked her if she was worried that he might try to contact her or find her, uh, find her family, to which she replied, no, I don't think so, but he's a predator. It's, so the conversation that I had with her, you know, she, she said, you know, I don't have resentments i don't have angers you know she she said i i just feel like he's a predator um i said that i thought he was very capable of hurting another person and she agreed um miss jeanette did bring something to the table that i had not considered with roger having spent a good 30 years in prison he's had a lot of time to learn from other predators and other pedophiles in the Uh pen just like the ed gein copycats exactly they learn stuff in there they learn way more inside oh yeah than they ever knew outside and as a as a 16 year old kid who went in as a teenager he's in his 40s now yeah he is that man has had plenty of time to learn from other people how to be deceptive and how to get away with things and he has had time to reevaluate and plot and this was a i mean this should be a legitimate concern for anybody in the state of utah should this man ever be released mm-hmm Miss Jeanette told me that she's notified anytime Roger tries for parole. She is to be notified 30 days in advance on his parole hearing so that she can she can be in attendance as well. According to the notifications Miss Jeanette received, it would appear that um, Roger had applied for a review October, December, and January. All of these attempts have been denied. And while his paperwork may have been submitted for review, he's not actually been in front of the parole board. Those have been denied. So, one part of the conversation with Miss Jeanette that absolutely made me fall in love with this woman and convinced me that she has nothing but the biggest heart of gold was that she made a point to reach out to Roger's mother. She had actually, she told me, she said, I had written her a little note inviting her to my home to mourn with me. She She said that she just wanted to hold her and cry with her because a lot of healing could have happened in that moment technically as far as miss jeanette was concerned they had both lost children veronica was gone and roger an only child was now a wasted life as well however this healing never took place because roger's mom never responded to that note oh so miss jeanette had reached out and she let me make this very clear she said that she felt equally like she felt as bad for roger's mother as she did losing her own child here's a mom all she's got is her son, her only child, and now he's gone too. And she said, it's just a waste. What a waste. And for a woman who just had her only daughter taken from her mm-hmm. and not, I mean, in, in one of the m- most cruel ways, she still had the, the, oh my God, she still had like the emotional wherewithal to reach out to a person who was also suffering. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. That's a big character. It screams volumes yes. about a person's character. Yeah, that that's where really? I was trying to go because <clears throat> I don't think I would be able to. I don't know. I would like like it's kind of like I said in the beginning. If I grow up, if I die half as good as this woman, right? I will have succeeded far more than I ever imagined. Yeah. In terms of caring, character, 
and being a loving human being. Because I think in my, like for myself, my estimation, I would be so angry that I don't think I could do it. I don't think I, I don't, I know that I would think that and that I would feel like she just lost her kid too. But I think that I would feel so much anger towards her for raising her kid that way. I don't think I could do it. I don't know what I would feel like. But See, that's- and that's, that's one thing that Miss Jeanette also said. You do the best to raise your kids, but you never know how they're going to turn out. Right. There's and a that's lot- very, very true. You don't know. You don't. You can do your best to raise a kid, to be, you know, smart, to be polite, to be educated, to be a gentleman. Mm-hmm. But you don't know what's... Which he was polite and he was, he did have manners. Right. And he had But what those, else was... Yeah. What else was rolling around up there? Clearly nothing good. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. Nothing that should have been rolling around up there. Absolutely. Don't, don't let the manners fool you. Well, and uh, we'll just leave this up as a little piece of trivia for some of our listeners because there is a well-known serial killer that said, nothing happened in my childhood. Nothing ha- nothing bad happened to me. I'm just messed up. And then it wasn't true. <laughs> Things did happen. I don't know. So I found out the other day. Things did happen <laughs> in your childhood, sir. That is not normal. I think a lot of people get so used to what's happening in their life that they know it's messed up, but they become so accustomed and immune to it that they're like, meh, it's normal. Yeah. They, they don't know that that's not normal whoa not normal so miss Jeanette also stated that during one of roger's parole hearings the mother had been present with another gentleman who miss Jeanette assumed was a boyfriend or a husband she also said that she was happy for roger's mom to have a person in her life so that now she wasn't alone oh my she is just the sweetest thing that ever lived i swear she is she's like a saint Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she walks around and there's just like a glow that everybody sees around her uh-huh. there has to be yeah so Unfortunately, Roger's mother never even addressed Miss Jeanette or looked at her. And at this point, Jeanette says that she doesn't she doesn't hold resentments towards her. And she says that she may just not know what to say or feel very bad. Um, it's hard to know what's going through Roger's mother's mind, whether, you know, her own emotions and her own thoughts about this. Um, you know, two, two lives were completely lost that horrible day. And Miss Jeanette, you know, complete waste of life. That's what she says. It's just a complete waste. So one of the things that Miss Jeanette did discuss with me was Code Adam. Now we touch bases on the Code Adam because this is in regards to Adam Walsh, mm-hmm. who went missing from a department store. Now, if you're in Walmart, Target, um, other local department stores or grocery shopping outlets, they all use Code Adam as a missing child in the store. So she worked for a retailer here locally and Code Adam was a big deal for her because she she mentioned in our conversation that on multiple occasions, you know, uh, a parent would be perhaps in the shoe aisle and their kid wandered away over to the to the toys or you know, a little four or five year old kid is out like two aisles over wandering around and playing. Miss Jeanette said that she doesn't care what people think of her. She doesn't care what people say to her. She will stay with a kid until the parent comes or take the baby and go try and find the mom. And she said, I scold them. Yeah. She said, I don't care how they feel about it when I'm done. But I tell them my story. I explain to them what happened. And there's been instances, whether it's in stores. She said in one um, specific situation, her and... um, her passenger in her vehicle actually happened to see a very young child uh, around the age of like three to five sitting in a vehicle outside of Costco. And they sat in their car next to this car until the father came out. And Miss Jeanette pops out, introduces herself, explains her story, what happened to Veronica. And the dad cried and gave her a hug. It was like, I'll never do it again. I just got the chills everywhere. I said, I'll never do it again. Because how quickly... Mm -hmm. because parents do it my parents did it where they're like you stay in the car i'm gonna run in and get whatever it is i gotta get i'll be right back so there's just so many situations where she has inserted herself and rightfully so because child safety is a really big thing to miss jeanette um her continued efforts to educate parents is constantly reliving her story and for somebody that's willing to put themselves through that 
to educate another human being on the safety and longevity of their own child. Again, like, could this woman be any sweeter? Yeah. Because, you know, it talks about don't leave your kids, you know, we were talking about this, don't leave your kids in your car alone when you run into stores. Unless that kid is old enough to defend themselves. And let's face it, at this point in time, Miss Jeanette said it herself, we are living in dangerous times. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there is a child, less like a kid that's 16, 17, and almost a a grown adult that's capable of defending themselves from a a grown-up that's trying to take them. Even at that, I was just talking about that with somebody today about like women's safety. Yes. And... As a woman, I know that men can overpower me, no matter how strong I am, no matter what moves I know, no matter, you know, what I have. Uh, there's a very big chance that a man can overpower me. So right. it's anybody. It really it's is. Not, like, it doesn't matter if they can fight back or have skills or no, it's it's anybody. It's all the time. It's all around. And it's, it's unfortunate because I know women who are well-versed in self-defense. Mm-hmm. They are, you know black belts in jujitsu they fight mma they it doesn't matter if some if a man were to sneak up behind you and before you could respond bunked you on the head with a two by four right there's nothing you can there's do. not a whole lot you can do <laughs> another thing that we discussed was not letting your children out of your earshot or eyesight in public areas like stores parks and libraries mm-hmm. and that i know can be very difficult when you're a mom and you are trying to toe the line and get things done, unless your kids are on leashes or in a basket, it can be difficult to keep your your kids with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, trying to trying to alleviate parents of tragedy is like the main focus of why I wanted to do this. Miss Jeanette said that it was something that she would continue to do to her dying day. Um, another thing that she discussed was not to trust anybody because the most unlikely person couldn't be your worst nightmare. Right. So if you see someone taking what appears to be an unhealthy interest in your kid mm-hmm. or you, even if it's nothing, do something about it. Contact the police. Mm-hmm. Let your friends and your neighbors know that, hey, you know, this person was seen around the house a lot, you know, or this, this, and this happened. Make sure that you tell somebody. Yeah. If you alert the police, you can say, hey, this might be something. It could be nothing, but it's making me uneasy. I want this on record as this person spending a a lot of time around my yard or very interested in what my kid is doing or what I'm doing. Jeanette said that holidays are the worst. She said, I can still remember when on Thanksgiving, Veronica noted what a big chicken I had cooked for the family. <laughs> I I actually, we laughed about that when she said it, because I can just see this tiny little six-year-old kid looking up at her like, that's a big chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I giggled. I'm like, oh. Oh, so cute. I know. So cute. Um, we can only imagine how heartbreaking it must be for their sweet girl not-, not to be celebrating with them as a daughter, sister, and perhaps Veronica would have been a mother herself because she's our age. She would have been a year younger. Yeah. Yep. If there is one thing that Miss Jeanette wanted to make very clear is that she loves her children and she will go to her grave making sure that Veronica's name is remembered and used to save other children. She says that you eventually learn to live with the pain of it all. She said that her son still struggles with the loss of his sister, even 30 years later. So um, remember last time we were talking about how my jerk of a brother didn't respond to me after I asked him about this because he was flying a plane or something. Mm -hmm. Um, He did respond finally. Oh, good. Not very much, but I figured I would at least uh, share what he said. Because mm-hmm. um, I said I asked him how close he was to Pablo because I wanted to know, was it during that time? Was it later? Was it, you know, what? where were we? Mm-hmm. And he said, I hung out with him a fair amount junior year. He came to the house a few times and I went to his a couple of times. Um He also, I don't know where it is, I can't find it, but he also told me he went to, or maybe my mom did, that he went to this um, the state football game because our oh, high right. school took state um, football that year. They went out there together. So it would have been after, but he didn't really say anything about it. He didn't say what Pablo was 
was like or, you know, if you ever talked about it or whatever. So again, remember, guys, 1-800-THE-LOST is for missing and exploited children. And if there's something that you guys take away from this is that being mindful of situations is key. And I think that for myself, I'm very guilty of being that hover mother where I'm constantly at my kids' business and I want to know where they're at and what they're doing. And, you know, I know they get irritated. I know they get frustrated. And it's unfortunate that my kids don't understand and they won't until their parents themselves, but they won't understand the anxiety you feel when you don't know where your kid is or perhaps they've waded a little bit farther into the ocean than you're comfortable with because your kid is not you know, an avid swimmer, or, you know, they want to go wander around an amusement park. And even at 16 years old, I feel very uncomfortable when they're out of my, my eyesight. Um, when I was younger, and my mom would get mad at me for coming home late or whatever. I and she's like, I just wanted to know you're okay. I'm like, then why didn't you tell me? She was a little over aggressive. So I didn't believe her that she thought that I was that, you know, right. I thought it was a control thing. So I was like, no, I'm not coming home. I'm I'm going to pretend like I didn't remember that the time changed. That was my favorite. <laughs> Every time the time changed, I was late. <laughs> um, it reminds me of that scene from the movie Fear with Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. I forgot to wind my watch. And how would I know unless I was staring at my watch the whole time? Right. That's That's how I was. But now I know that that's not the case like they really want to know where we're at they really oh, yeah. want to know that we're safe luckily we can track our kids on our phones now right. but what if <laughs> they lose their phone see and that's one of the things that um when my kiddo my male spawn started working um as a cook at a local restaurant he often works really late into the evening and closes on the weekends and so i tell him all the time let me know when you're on your way to work and let me know when you're on your way home That way, I know that if you're not home in like 10, 15 minutes, that something's gone wrong, whether you've been in a car accident or you've had car troubles or something. And if I call you and you don't answer, that means it's time for me to get in the big black truck and come look for you Mm -hmm. and call the the police. And I'm going to have all the police behind me. Oh, yeah. Be in the flying V. (laughs) We're going to come and find you. I'm going to go find my kid. Um, But just just remember, you guys, a lot of the times that we think our kids are okay, this should be a prime example of we really need to be more careful mm-hmm. because you just never know. Right. Who is it that makes fun of me because I still watch Calvin get on the bus every day? Like I will <clears throat> stand there like a hawk mm-hmm. and watch him get on the bus every single day. I can't remember who it was that was making fun of me. I'm like, you. Know, it could go so fast. Somebody drives by. If I blink my eyes, I could miss what is going on. Oh, yeah. At least if I'm right there, I see who it is and I can get maybe a vehicle description, something, anything. And that's the really unfortunate business is I think that we often take for granted that we're in a small town mm-hmm. and supposedly smaller towns, you know, everybody knows each other. We all know our neighbors. It's fine. Which it's safe. apparently is scarier. Yeah. Everybody knows everything about you. Somebody found out, okay, you know, and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but somebody <clears throat> found out a whole bunch of stuff about me. My, my, what's it called? Facebook <laughs> is private. I don't post on it very often anyway. And this person knew like crazy amounts about me. And that is scary. However, I've known said person forever, but I haven't seen her for 20 at least 20 years. So, small town, maybe not. So. Grandma. Yeah. What the hell is it with, like, I don't know, dude, people are crazy. They just don't, you, so, bitch, you need more hobbies. Sorry. Like, me. I, <laughs> I mean, dude, I, you need more hobbies. I what you need to do is stop worrying about my business and worry right. about your own. And like, your eyebrows. Worry about your eyebrows. Don't, don't worry, worry about, about me. me. <laughs> don't worry about me. Worry about your eyebrows. Yes. Worry about That's yourself. what I want to say. Because, like, I don't care about anybody else that much. Like, not in a mean way. Not in, like, I, I don't care. But if it's somebody I don't know and they're not in my life, I don't need to know that much about them. I think that a lot of... <coughs> excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm getting ill. Because my brother has spread the gamboo. We, this is it. This is how we all die. Dave, what have you done? But... um. I think that we 
living in a small town, it is it, like people are gossip mongers anywhere you go, but living in a small town, it makes it much like much more easy to obtain and use information against people, uh, which is a really shitty, shady thing to do. And I'm guilty of it as well. But one of the things that happens in small towns is that we recycle boyfriends. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I have dated somebody that Nikki has dated or that one of my other friends has dated. And we don't have a lot of options, dude. Like you kind of have to. Right. Like there's, we have quite a growing number that we don't, we didn't even know about every time we talk about somebody. It's like, Oh yeah, that one. Okay. Luckily, most of the people I dated were in Colorado. I Well, that's the fun thing is like some of the guys that I dated, I dated them when I was younger and then I turned around and dated them again when I was older. And it was hilarious. Like, you just make full circle. You're like, oh, I don't know. You kind of sucked. Jesus, what happened? What had happened? See, what had happened was, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I kind of had fun with you in junior high. Let's see where this goes while we're in our, 20, in our 20s. I don't know. But <clears throat> anyway, there's a little, <laughs> this is a little clip I'd like to play for you. <laughs> because this is exactly how I feel towards a lot of people. Why about yourself? Why about yourself? Can I help? No help. You can help when we're out to you, okay? You can help when we're out to you. By taking my order. Do you have this to see? Probably. <clears throat> you want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? Why about yourself? <laughs> wait, wait. Why about yourself? <laughs> so just worry about yourself all right before we go let's do a patreon shout out patreon. for our amazing patreons yeesh yeesh so our examinators the badass motherfuckers we're gonna go with you first we have rhett harris Samantha Vaughn and Sharon Hoffman. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You're bad asses. Yes, you are. I can't read. <clears throat> uh, our next tier is April Puff Pug Puff. Pew. Pew. Pow. Pop. April. <laughs> <laughs> you. It's P U G H. Pew. Pew. Is that really how you say yeah. it? Yeah. Why is it pew? <clears throat> G-H, like cough, puff, puff. That's why I said puff. 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 We love you. Can you can you correct us on that? Because that's fun for us. It is. Because I don't know how long we called Shannon thighs, said a tease. Paige Sneath. Um, also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break. A few of you are not going to get Patreon perks for a minute because we have to order some stuffs we're out of some things yes so when we get them here we will send them out um raymond garcia lynn shirley thank you all right our next tier why okay i love you who i love you and i'm not gonna say your name right single lead alexander I'm sorry, but you're going to have to tell us how to say that. S- Alexander. S. Alexander. <laughs> S. Alexander. Single lead? Right. Single I don't lead. know. I don't know, man. you got to tell me how to say that. I'm this sorry. This is why we're doing Patreon, is so that you can have your comedy for this episode. <laughs> Chelsea Pierce, Justin Morris, Ashley Baxley, Ryan Merrill. Hey, that's my brother. Rochelle Saunderhouse, D. Gardner, Julia Miller, Corey Osborne. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> oh, my. I don't know. Oh, my. I to. <laughs> um, Carrie Sabrowski, The Oddballs Podcast, Mackenzie Fueling, and Lizzie in the Lab. Thank you. <laughs> What, I can't remember the name of that tier. I was going to say thank you for whoever you are, but I can't remember the name of the damn tier. Um, the next tier is Karen Jorgensen, Michelle King, Jeremy Hooks, Jessica Hagen, Stacy. She's one name I like. Like Cher. Like yeah. Madonna. Yeah. Stacy. Rihanna. Stacy's mom has got, got it going on. Oh, wait. She's all I want, and I've waited for so, so long. long. Stacy, can't you see? You're just not the girl well, for me. me. Oh, you're the girl for <clears throat> us, Stacy. 
But how's your mom doing? (laughs) (laughs) Lucy Cavanaugh, Lucy Barton, Catherine Moore, Don Hansen, Dave Diggs, Sarah Fernald, Mally Freyus. Is that how you say it? I always say it wrong. What? Mally Freyus? Freyus? Freyus. Point. Uh, You got a point. Mally. I want to say it's Mally Freyus. Yeah, I know I've said it wrong before. Um, Kelly Van Bookout. Shinch. Shinch. Joe Ryder. Shinch. The Pleasing Terrors Podcast. Oh, Shinch, Mike. Brent Ansel. Shinch. Shinch. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you for that tier. Okay, next tier. Melanie Patterson. Stephanie Kramer. Alyssa Mullins. Shinch. Shinch. <laughs> I'm just contributing where I can. Right. Thank you. Glenn Weber, Brianna Mattingly, Shinch. Ellen Hall, Martin French, Shinch. The True Crime Truckers Podcast, Tiffany Ann, Mindy Smith, Nicole Staples, Shinch. Shinch. Shauna Bowen, Molly Smith, Kristen. Oh, I said it right last time, but I don't know if I can get it right this time. <laughs> Kamisic. Kamisic. Kim- Kim- I don't know. You got your one time. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Kmesic? So, Kmesic? Shanks. So, Shanks. <laughs> Whatever your name is, Shanks. Shanks. Uh, Celeste, the Pancast Production. Hey, thanks. That's Pavo and the boys. And, and the, well, not the boys. The boys. That's Pavo. And Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey, thanks, Jerry. And tell Tracy that we send all our loveys. Yeah, I hope she's okay. I don't like that at all. I don't like it. Take it back. I, yeah, make it not happen. Make it unhappen. <laughs> um, I'd like for you to have a receipt for that. You need to take it back. Yes. <clears throat> so, since it's been forever since we shouted out our Patreons, we wanted to do so and say thank you. Shanks. You guys keep us going. You make it so we can, you know, shanks. <laughs> <laughs> you make it so we can shanks. <clears throat> <sighs> all right. Next. So, well, kids. That brings us to the end of episode 90. Thank you for participating. And lots and lots of love to the wonderful Miss Jeanette. Yes. So uh, remember, life is precious and uh, very special. And stay stay out out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.